How are you all doing? Are you all excited? Okay, how many know that if it's like November and it's like 70 degrees outside? Like we got reason to shout. Can I get an amen? Woo! You ever wonder what heaven's going to be like? 70 degrees and sunny. How many think this is like near perfect weather? Now, I know there's some of you, you're a little grumpy because it's not cold yet. Give it time. My parents, my, my mom and dad, they, uh, mom was putting up on Facebook yesterday, we're going out to the cabin. It's a little blustery and snowy. And they're sending pictures of like snow everywhere. And it's like below freezing. And I'm like going, ha, ha, ha. And I take a picture of my deck and my beautiful trees. I'm like, we're outside enjoying a hockey game and having fun. And um, every once in a while, I just got to rub it in because life is good. Amen? So, well, hey, we're so glad to have you here this morning. Uh, we're so glad that we get to celebrate, to look into God's word. Uh, how many know that God wants to speak to us today? Amen. Amen. How many ready to hear God speak to our hearts today from his word? And so if you have your Bible, turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 9. Um, we are in the midst of our series, Arising to the Challenge, um, which is, th this is our 50-day challenge where we say yes uh, to Jesus with our lives. We, we, we're talking about what are some disciplines that can reflect that yes in and through our lives. And so it's a season of stretching. And so as we look at some different th uh, things, we've been challenged by God's word of what it means to be a follower of Jesus our theme passage has been from Mark chapter 8, verse 34, where it says this, where Jesus tells his disciples that whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And so we've been looking at a variety of different things. Last week, we talked about embracing the welcome, and we talked about how today's welcome makes room for changed lives. And today we're going to be talking about being conduits of grace. How many know what conduit is? Like conduit is like a pipe. That something goes through. So like if you're doing uh, electric, right? Wayne knows all about this. Wayne is like my partner in, in crime for construction, one of the two. And, and it's like we got to run conduit. And conduit, you run your pipe, and then you run your electric through it. It's so much fun. Uh, piping, anything like that. you know. And, and we all kind of like the stuff. How many are grateful for like when the plumbing and when the pipes are working in the house? How many know that's a good day? Okay, so I'm going to have a confession. This is like Pastor Dave confession moments. I got to tell you, I was not always a good kid. Okay, this is just, that's starting it out. I had impish moments. I was, I was a curious kid, and, and every once in a while I did like uh, less than um, good things. And so the story that I'm going to tell is not an opportunity to say, hey, I wonder if this would work. This is just a, this is just what happened. Now, I remember it because it was like, many moons ago, and it happened at McDonald's, because how many know McDonald's is just a great place to go? Now, when I'm talking about McDonald's, we're talking about McDonald's back in the day when your food was wrapped in foam, 
I remember the little foam boxes for your like Big Macs and stuff like that. How many remember that? Y'all with me? All right, so this is a long time ago. This is also when they had those little like ashtrays. Remember the little ashtrays that were in McDonald's? How many remember that? All right, totally different world, right? You're like, oh yeah, you're like, you're good smoking McDonald's? I'm like, yeah. How do you think they got that smoky barbecue taste to their, no. You know, it's like, it was like way back in the day. Well, I was a kid, so like, I just, I know I was in Edmonton. My, my parents were kind enough to take us to McDonald's. And, you know, so I went to the bathroom, and then you know, I'm washing my hands up. And, and back in the day, not only was it like, you know, those foam little container things um, and, you know, little silver ashtrays, they actually had bars of soap next to the sink. How many remember the communal soap? You know, instead of the squirt, squirt, you like pick up the bar. And I just, it just dawned on me, hey, I wonder if this thing can be flushed. How many of you have ever had moments where you're just like going, hey, you know, you've had kids, kids play the game, will this flush? And so I just remember I took a bar of soap, and I'm like, I wonder if this can flush. And so took a shot, hit the button, goo, it goes down, and then it starts to fill up. I'm like, did it really go down? I hit it again, and the water starts getting higher. And I, I mean, you know the panic level when the, when, the, when the bowl starts filling too full? And you're like, I think it's just time to leave this place right now. And uh, that was me as a corrupt. If you want to wonder, what did Jesus save me from? Soap in the toilet. So I, 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 got, I got freedom in my spirit now that I've told you all that. But, but the reason I share is because when, 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 the, when the plumbing or when the piping gets, like, blocked up, how many know it gets a little bit messy, right? And it's not working properly, and it becomes an inconvenience. There's a whole lot of things that go up. There's a whole thing you can reflect on. But today I want to talk about being conduits of grace, whereby we see our lives as conduits by which blessing comes to us and then blessing flows through us. Like, it's, it's something that, that God's purpose for our lives is not only that we would experience his blessing to us, but that his blessing might flow through us. Yet sometimes in our lives, church becomes more about, or, or, or relationship with God, of the blessing that comes to me. And sometimes it just kind of gets blocked and stuck there. And I'm convinced that when it does, it actually creates more messes because God's purpose is that grace would come to us in order that it might work through us. And so we're going to talk about being conduits of grace this morning. And the big idea is simply this. God has, uh, grace has been given to us so that grace may be given through us. All right, this is a really big idea. It's a great idea. If you want to write something down, write this down. This is really, really good. Grace has been given to us so that grace may be given through us, okay? So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to begin reading at verse 45. Now, now Matthew is, is the author. This is one of Jesus' disciples, and he is writing to declare that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the one that the prophets spoke about, that, that he would be the one who would fulfill the purpose and the promises made to Abraham and to David. So if you read the, 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 the first part of Matthew is a genealogy. How many love genealogies? And so it kind of starts out in Matthew, you know, uh, you know, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it begins this whole story. And, and it's kind of interesting because Abraham 
was the purpose was the person that God chose uh, through whom He would bless all of humanity. And so, if you remember in Genesis chapter twelve, God calls to Abraham and says, "I want you to leave." your family, and leave the place, you know, leave all the things that, that you're familiar with, and I want you to follow me to the place I will show you. And then he made this amazing promise. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And then it goes on to say, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So I'm going to put blessing upon you so that blessing may go through you. Yes, I see a hand. Sorry, 9, sorry, 9, it's not 9.45. Did I say 9.45? We're going, don't worry, we're going to get to Mark 10.45 in a bit. I'm just so excited, I'm bleeding all these things together. Let's do 35, just for you, Sandy. Everybody else, just stay with Matthew Nine, I'm so, you know, that just makes me happy. People are actually looking in their Bible going, good Lord, what is this man talking about? <laughs> you know, you put soap in the toilet, you're a sketchy person. <laughs> Can't trust anything, he says. All right, so anyway, so God tells Abraham, this is in Genesis chapter 12, that I will bless you and all the world will be blessed through you. And then he makes a, a promise to David that David, he tells David that, that there will be a king that will sit upon the throne forever that will be from your descendants. And, and, and the promised king would bring about the purposes of God. And, and, and what's kind of interesting about this is that one of the metaphors that was used for king in the Old Testament is actually the idea of shepherd and sheep. And that the king would be the shepherd of the flock of God to provide leadership. And, and so we'll, we'll see that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. And, and so, you know, if you read through the story of Matthew, you end up finding out that, you know, all these different things take place to help reveal that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham as well as to David. So we get to chapter 9. And, and in chapter 9, Matthew begins to write about the, uh, continue to write about the mission, but also the commission of Jesus. Now, as we look through this, we're going to note some, some ideas. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 9, and we're actually going to get into the next chapter in just a moment. But Matthew 9.35 says this, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. I want you to remember this phrase, disease and sickness. So what Jesus is, is he goes into every town... He's, he's teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, as we look at this passage, I want to note the, the first of my three things that I want to note, the first idea, key idea from this passage is simply this. The world needs hope and healing. That our world, how many know our world is a little bit messed up? Can I get a witness on this one? Some of you are like, oh, yeah. How many know that it's not just a world issue? How many know that sometimes our families can be messed up? Don't, don't raise your hand if your family's messed up. But how many know it's not just a family issue? How many know it's a personal issue? How many know that people are just, how many of you, okay, this is an opportunity for you to raise your hand. How many of you are just messed up? All right, yes. 
You all know what I'm talking about. This is, this is the world that we live in. We live in a world filled with broken, like th there's brokenness, there's hurt, there's, that, like people are messed up, like the world is messed up. And, and, and how does this stuff get fixed? You see, the world needs hope and healing. And I love it because Jesus, is, as, he, as he's traveling from place to place, Matthew notes that, that he's proclaiming good news and he's healing every disease and sickness. Now, I, I love this idea of good news because ultimately good news is a message of hope. And Jesus had a message of hope for people who were weary just from what they're going in. Because we, we're in this world and, and there's this sense that something's not right, something's amiss. And we have a sense that, you know, how do we get beyond the junk that we're in? Because we, we try again and again. Have you ever, like, just been frustrated because you see the problem, you know the problem, you're trying to correct the problem, and the problem doesn't get better? How many have had those moments? And you're like, how do we get beyond this? And, and it's not, again, it's not just a world issue or, or a family issue. It can be just your own personal issue. Yet Jesus comes with a message of good news. He comes with a message, and the message is simply this, that God sees the need. God sees the condition. He sees the brokenness of where we're at. He hears our cries, and He has come to bring salvation. This is the message that Jesus is proclaiming, and it'll get condensed down into this idea that the kingdom of God is near. Like, it's not as far away as you think. Like, that, that hope that you're looking for, that change of circumstance, the change of heart, the thing that's going to turn your family around, it's not as far away from you as you think because the kingdom of God has come near with Jesus Christ and He has the ability to change everything. He's come to breathe hope and to speak hope to a world that needs Him desperately. But not only does He proclaim the good news, but he goes on to, to heal. It says, every disease and sickness. How many of you are just terrible sick people? Like, like some of you, you know, like in our household, when I'm sick, it's just terrible. When Rachel's sick, it's even worse. And it's not because she's worse. It's just because I'm just like, oh, man, she does so much. But you know what it's like? Sickness. Like, all, all of a sudden, you know, have you ever had those moments, all of a sudden you're like, you're like, oh, my stomach's not feeling right. Sickness is a reminder that something's not right. Like, we all have this, right? You're like, oh, I must have ate some. My stomach's not right. Oh, man, I got a headache. Something's not right. And sickness is a reminder that something isn't right in our world. That God's intent for creation was not its brokenness, but, but really God's desire for, for creation was flourishing and goodness. Yet here we are, we wrestle with sickness and we wrestle with disease. And reminded again that something isn't right. And so as Jesus comes, he's not only bringing a message of hope, but he's saying, listen, I, I want to I I make restoration possible for you. When we read throughout the gospel, Jesus doing amazing things, healing the, healing the lame, you know, the, the leper. He, he's breathing life into people because he cares. You see, the world needs hope and healing. And why does Jesus do all these things? Well, Matthew says that he was moved with compassion. 
You see, Jesus was not indifferent to where people were at. And the same is true today. Jesus is not indifferent to our condition. You see, he looked at the crowds. He looked at the people all around him. And he saw that they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed. There was this sense of, you know, they were just... They were being bothered and tormented, and they just they couldn't shake it on their own. They, they were helpless. How do you get out of these things? And Jesus is just like, his heart is just like, man, this moves me. I can't look away. I, I, I can't be indifferent. I, I have to do something to help. This idea of compassion here is a powerful word because it, it, it speaks of two things. It speaks about a a strong emotional feeling that happens on the inside that results in, uh, it, that, that compels action. Have you ever witnessed something that's just made your, made your stomach drop? Like where, where you're in a situation, you're like going, oh man, this is just so terrible. And it's just like, you just kind of get knotted up on the inside. You're like, oh man, I got to do something. And this is what Jesus does. One person wrote that sympathy, that this compassion is sympathy accompanied with a practical response to the need. That, that, that what Jesus began to do is he, he felt something and so he begins to act in a very practical way. And this should, be, this should be incredible hope for us because God is not indifferent to human struggle and suffering. And we serve a God who, who moves to act on that compassion Manifesting his love to us in what we call grace. Grace is just simply the, 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 the manifestations. They are the gifts that flow from love. So Jesus looks at the crowd. And he has compassion on them. He cares. But as we continue to see, as we continue to read, not only... Do we see that the world needs hope and healing? But Jesus helps us to understand that, that this need requires more workers. Jesus sees the crowd and, and he's, he's sharing messages of hope. He's bringing healing. He's restoring lives. He's, he's doing this and, and, and you can just imagine the excitement and, and, and how life is beginning to bubble up in the midst of this place. But then he turns to his disciples, to his followers. And he says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. You, you can just see the discussion that arises. I don't know how you imagine things, but I can see Jesus busy with all these different people. And, and, and I'm sure it's one of those moments where it feels like, well, there's, just, there's another one and there's another one. And, 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 and Jesus turning to his followers, not in frustration, not, not in a sense of like, would these people just leave me alone? But from this place of deep compassion... I'm guessing that almost with tears in his eyes, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
the opportunity to impact lives with the grace of God is enormous. Wherever you find people, you find the need for God's grace. And Jesus, no matter what person he ran into in whatever community, there's this sense that, you know what, there's this person, there's this person, there's this family, there's this individual. These people I care so deeply about, they need God's grace. Please understand for Jesus, the issue isn't the harvest, but the workers. So he looks at his followers and says, guys, listen, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the workers, they're few. So he's like, would you just ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest field? You see, the Lord of the harvest would be the one who is actually, in a sense, the Lord of the land. He was the one who owned all the, the property and all the, all the things, and, and he was the one who, who wrote the checks. He was the one who would hire people. And, and so the idea is like, hey, you know, you, you need to ask the one who owns all of this, would you send more workers? And in it, he's teaching us the importance of petition, the importance of prayer, the importance of intercession, that, that you know, in this world that, that God cares deeply about, Jesus teaches his followers, begin to pray. Begin to pray for laborers. Begin to pray for workers. Begin to pray because you know what? These hearts and these lives and these people need the grace of God. Now, I love prayer. How many know that prayer reaches places we can't go? How many are grateful for that? How many know that prayer sets things in motion? That when we begin to pray, that there's something, there's a dynamic that's released and something begins to move. And as a result, prayer can impact situations. And I think part of what, what Jesus is saying, guys, listen, you need to pray because there's something that needs to be set in motion. But even more important than that, I believe that prayer changes the one who prays. Like the reason Jesus says, followers of mine, hey, pray, ask the Lord of the harvest, because he knows this, that when we begin to pray, Prayer begins to change us. See, ultimately, I think what Jesus wants his followers to experience is he wants his followers to sense God's heart for people. That God wants us to know how much he cares about people. Now, this is difficult because sometimes in the midst of all of our goings, we, we can become so, so focused on our own lives and we become so myopic about, you know, this is my stuff and my day and my schedule and all these things that, that sometimes we don't see beyond the need. Sometimes the need just seems so great and, and, and we're so frustrated because we're like, well, what can I do? And because we're like, what can I do? We're just like going, you know what, let's just, let's just make our circle smaller. But what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to know his heart and to have his heart for people. You see, the world needs hope. The world needs healing. And for that to happen, Jesus is like, you know what, we're going to need some more workers. So he says, pray. 
Now, for Sandy, who's reading her Bible. When we finish that last verse that we just read, to send out workers into his harvest field, the chapter ends. And we might think, oh, well, Jesus has said, he's expressed this great need, and then we're, we're just done. Matthew says, okay, let's go on to something else. What's interesting is that in your Bible, when Matthew was writing, he wasn't writing in chapters and verses. Just so you know, chapters and verses didn't come till much later, and that was just to help people to find out where everybody was in the Bible. So when Matthew wrote this, he's not going, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, right? He's not doing that. Matthew's just writing the story of Jesus. And so I think, this is me, I think chapter 10 that just jumps in there is a terrible distraction because sometimes we read and we're like, oh, we got through 9, we're at the end, and we close the book, and we go away, and then we'll come back, and well, maybe we'll pick up at 10, and we forget that this is actually flowing into that. And I want you to see what happens in Matthew chapter 10. Now, we're just going to read just verses 1 through 8, and we don't have time to discuss all of it, but I want you to see that as Jesus acknowledges that, you know what, our world needs hope and healing, and, and not only does he do that, he, he recognizes that, you know what, we need more laborers. But then what we're going to see is this, is that Jesus mobilizes his followers to begin to share his grace. And so this is what it says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Then Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, and to heal every disease and sickness. Notice that phrase, disease and sickness. This is the exact same phrasing that we found earlier, where it says that Jesus went town to town, not only proclaiming the good news, but he was healing every disease and sickness. It's the same phrase. And then he goes, these are the names. These are the names of the 12 apostles. These are the names of the ones who were sent. There were, there was... There was first Peter, uh, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And these twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any nation, or, sorry, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, proclaim this message the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, again, we, we don't have time to work through all of this. This is an amazing, amazing passage. There's so much in there, but I just want to note a couple things. I want to note, first of all, that in answer to the prayer Jesus has his followers pray, what Jesus does is he begins to enlist and empower his followers. That he says, you know, I, I want you to pray this way because if you pray, it's going to begin to change your heart. But also understand that the answer to the prayer is you. And, and he enlists them. And, and, and I love it. It says that he called, uh, he called his 12 disciples, and, and the idea of calling here is to be set apart for a purpose. How many of you used to play sports? 
Remember that moment you're sitting on the pine and you're just waiting to get in the game and all of a sudden your coach says, hey, Dave, get in. You're like going, but my name's not Dave. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe it was Peter or Levita, right? Or Pat or Elsie. All of a sudden, your name gets called and now you're in the game. Understand what Jesus does is he says, listen, I want you to begin to change your heart, but I want you to understand, I am calling your name. And when he does, he enlists us to serve his purpose. Not only that, he begins to empower us to do his work. And so it says that he gave them authority. He authorized them. He said, guys, listen, the harvest is plentiful the laborers are few. That's the Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers. Okay, now I am calling you and I am authorizing you. I need you to go and continue what I've started. I want you to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near. That sickness and disease stuff, that restoration, I want you to be a part of the process for restoration for people. You see, as followers of Jesus, we have been given the responsibility to continue what Jesus began. We have the responsibility. And just so you know, this is fun. So if you read Matthew, Matthew has this sense of growing circles, larger spheres. So in this passage, he says, listen, I want you, he starts with, he calls 12 and he says, I want you to do mission. I want you to begin to serve in my place. I, I want you to be a part of the sharing of the good news, bringing hope to people. I want you to be a part of the restoration process for others. And he starts with 12. And then you read a little bit further. He sends out 70. And he says, okay, now we're going to take 70 and we're going to send 70 people to do it. And then you get to the end of the book and he just calls to his followers, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That the call of Matthew is, listen, we get to be a part of God's purpose. And freely you have received, freely give. How many know that God's grace to us has been freely given? We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. How many of you know you are not good enough to get the good stuff? You ain't smart enough. I ain't smart enough. Not fast enough. Can't jump high enough. I can't do it. The reason it's grace is because it was a gift that was given me, not because I was qualified in any way. And just so you know, God's grace to us is without qualification. He doesn't say, you know, if you're, if you're you know, this tall... If you're from this place, I'll give grace. He says, listen, I want to pour out grace to all people. It's not about our works. It's about his love toward us. And he just says, listen, I want to give you a gift. And the question is, is what do we do with the gift? The thing that hurts my heart is God offers us a gift of life and wholeness and restoration. And some people say, you know what? I think I'll figure it out on my own. 
You see, we're all in the place where we need grace. And, and when we understand that, God says, listen, if you will just simply call upon my name, if you will ask for forgiveness, if you will follow me, I'll bring about life and restoration to you. And so as we do that, his grace washes over us again and again and again like waves of the ocean. How many love going to the ocean and standing in the waves? It's like, oh my goodness, here comes another. Here comes another. Oh my goodness, this one's so big I can surf this sucker. How many know that God sometimes pours out such grace that all of a sudden it feels like, boy, we are being carried along by it. That is grace we have received. And just as you received it freely, not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, because you have received the grace of God freely as you have received, freely give. You see, we've been enlisted and empowered to bring the love of God to others. This is why I say the grace of God has been given to us so that His grace may be given through us. Grace has come to us so that it can flow through us. So our series is about arising to the challenge. And the thing I want to challenge everybody here with, if you were a follower of Jesus, I want to challenge you to embrace the discipline of serving. Can I get a witness on this one? Like, what? You see, each of us need to live on mission in the church and in the world. You see, in our, in our society, we sometimes measure status by how many people serve us. It was the same in Jesus' day. Jesus, though, measures status by those who serve. Whoever wants to be great in the kingdom must be the servant of all. And then Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 45. Y'all remember 45, Matthew 10, 45. Jesus said, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. If we are followers of Christ, we are called to serve. Freely we've received, freely we give. You see, God calls us to be conduits of grace. Please understand that being a Christian is not a call to sit in a service. Can I get a witness? Can I get a louder witness? Can I get an even louder one? Oh, my word. Listen, being a Christian isn't about sitting it's about serving. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like work. The harvest is plentiful, but the sitters are few. The workers are few. You see, we've been called to serve, to be conduits of grace, See, many times when we're in the place of sitting, we are the objects of the blessing. It's coming to me. Listen, 
Pastor Dwayne sounds like an angel when he sings, and I get to experience the blessing of his voice. How many love the, the angelic voice of Dwayne? Or Stephanie, right? Like, we're just like, oh, and we, and we pick a church based on, oh, I love that music. Oh, that music speaks to me. Oh, I didn't like that song this morning. Did you hear? He was a little pitchy. Right? Because we measure often the church by what it is it does for me. I got nothing out of that message today. The pastor went long again. Because it's all about many times about what is coming to me as a perceived blessing. And then Jesus says, listen, blessing was never intended to end with you. It was to be something that is to flow through you. The greatest moments of your growth in following Christ will not come from sitting in a service. It may spark an idea. It may cause something to be initiated. But your growth in Christ is actually going to come through serving other people. Jesus, when it came to followers and helping develop followers... It wasn't just about listening, it was about doing. Because doing causes us to have to wrestle with things. Because sometimes when God says, hey, I want you to do this, we're like going, oh man, that's just inconvenient. That, that, that's not, that's not ha hitting my happy spots. Oh, you know what, I got some other things that I could be doing. Listen, when you begin to serve other people, you begin to say, you know what, my life isn't about what I want, it's about what's the purpose of the Father, and I'm going to begin to live that. It challenges us to really flesh out this idea of lordship. And I'm concerned sometimes that the church, and not just our church, but specifically the church in America, that I think sometimes um, we get it really messy because we're not conduits of grace. There's something plugging the pipes, and it's just making messes. And part of it is, God, we need you to help change us so we can be the vessels through whom you want to work. How do you become a conduit of grace? I'll give you four things really fast. Number one, be grateful. Listen, grace is a gift that is given rather than something that's owed. You know what I learned a long time ago? God doesn't owe me anything. You don't know how... I've disqualified myself many times in life. I don't deserve the good that I experience. It's purely a gift of God. Sometimes I think in the church we've developed an entitled mentality of what I deserve. But if we can see grace as a gift that has been given to us, it begins to change the way we live because we recognize that every day is filled with His gifts with the gifts that flow from his love. How many know that just getting up today has been a blessing from God? Like I got up on this side of the pillows, like on this side, I guess on the pillows, this side of the grass. I, I like, 
It's 70 in November in upstate New York. Woo! I got a family. I got a church. My goodness, God has opened his hands and poured out blessings. Did you know that grateful people are generous people? And the more grateful you are, the easier it is to serve other people because you know how much gift has come to you. You're just like, well, how can I not give back? The problem many times is, is we're grasping things. We're trying to hold on to things because we're afraid of losing things. And Jesus said, if you try to hold on to things, you end up losing things. But when you release things, you find things. We need to be grateful. Not only that, we need to be available. If we're going to be conduits of grace, we need to not only be grateful, we need to be available. Uh, Isaiah 6, looking back on my journey and my development and becoming the person I am today and where I am today, has, is more directly tied to Isaiah chapter 6 than any other passage in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 6 is about the calling of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is in the midst of a very turbulent time. And in the midst of it, God asks a question. Who will go for us? Who will go for us? Like in our messed up, crazy world, who will represent God? Who will do it? Who will manifest his character and his heart? Who is going to carry his message? Who's going to live it out? I remember as a kid at kids camp, because my family used to do kids camp, and dad had an orange banner. It was orange and white. White words, white globe. And, and every summer when we do kids camp, we'd unroll that sucker and we'd put it right up straight, smack dab, center of the building. And it said this. Here am I, send me. See, your family, your place of employment, the community that you're a part of, the school you're a part of, whatever it is, listen, who will go for us? Some of us, we go, oh, I'd love to, but you know what? I'm a little busy this week. I, I do that, but you know what? I, I got I, I got to take care of this, and I got to take care of that. And, and and listen, you will always have a this and a that that needs taken care of in this world. God asks the question: Who will go for us? May we, like Isaiah, say, "Here am I. Send me." Did you know that the mission of the church was never to be intended was never intended to be accomplished through a select few but through all its members? Did you know that? Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 16 will will even say that the role of the pastor part of my role is to equip people for works of service. 
It's to help people step up and do their thing in order to make a difference in the lives of others because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I want you to know that everybody who is a part of Asbury Church is needed to be on mission. If we're going to be conduits of grace, we need to be grateful, we need to be available, we also need to be sensitive. We need to allow our hearts to be moved by the needs of others and by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Again, compassion. We need to be a people of compassion when it comes to others. And compassion has to be more than just we feel bad about another person. We need to have a heart that moves us to act. You see, there's a part where we just can't sit idly by. We must be engaged. And we need to allow our prayers to move us. See, we need to allow our hearts, we need to be sensitive to the needs of others, but also by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to give you another line that's really good. If you want to write something down from the message, this is a good line. Just, I'm just preparing you. What the Spirit is stirring in us is preparation for what the Spirit wants to do through us. Okay, just so you know, that was a really good line. That was an amen line. That was a holy cow. No wonder we pay him so much. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. Just teasing. I want to say that again. What the Spirit is stirring in us is preparation for what the Spirit wants to do through us. Okay, so as a pastor, you know what I love? I, I love when people come up and are just like, Pastor, you know what we should do? There's a need over here. We need to take care of it. And by we, they mean me. Right? A pastor. Oh, man. You know, we, we need this. Yeah. All right. You get it going. I'm like, you're like, for me, like, and I'm like, listen. The reason God is stirring something, if we all felt the same thing, if we were all moved by the same thing, we wouldn't be able to do the mission. Because nobody feels about everything. They're not compassionate about everything. There are certain things we're really compassionate about, and the reason is, is because the Spirit of God is stirring it in us. And part of that is preparation for the ministry or for what it is God calls us to be and do. Some of it is you've been through something, and when you went through it, all of a sudden you became aware, boy, when a person is in this situation and in this need, there is this deficit that they're dealing with. And you know what would be really helpful? This. And the reason you discovered it is because there was, you went through something and God's grace met you in the midst of it and you became sensitized to it. And now you're just like, oh man, for people in this position, this is stuff I need to be doing. And what God has done is he has allowed you to go through certain things in order to prepare you to serve other people. And what we need to do is we need to be sensitive not only to the needs of others but to the prompting of the Spirit because God has brought us through different things in order that we might minister grace to others. Okay, lastly, how do we become conduits? Be grateful, be available, be sensitive, and lastly, be Jesus.
And I put Jesus in quotes because how many know we can't really be Jesus? How many wish you had omniscience? That means you know everything. Okay, some of you teenagers, you already feel you got omniscience. Right? You feel like you know everything. Um, but we don't have that. Uh, wouldn't you like omnipotence? Wouldn't you like to be all-powerful? Like to be able to say, hey, you know what? I'll make this disease stop and this problem go away. We would love that, but we happen to be not that. But you know what? We get to represent Jesus. You see, in every need that's happening in our world, again, the question is, is who will go for us? Who will be my representative? Who will be my example in the midst of this? You see, in just a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating Christmas where we remember that God came in human flesh to be with us. And even as he ascended into heaven, he promised that he would pour out that same spirit upon his people so that wherever they went, they could represent him. And you know what? We need to, we need to be able to be a people that are just like, well, you know what? I'm going to serve other people. I get to be Jesus to them. Like that means that in and through whatever job you have, I, I know we got people who are nurses, we got people working in all different areas. You get to be Jesus in that environment. You, you get to be a messenger of hope and, and healing and restoration. You get to demonstrate the love of God, the care of God, the compassion of God. You get to do this because you're his follower. All right. Grace has been given to us so that grace may be given through us. I want to invite the worship team to come as we close. The world needs hope and healing. The need requires more laborers. And Jesus mobilizes his followers to share his grace. Okay, on your seat is one of these. I want everybody to grab one. Because we need to make a commitment not... To, we need to make a commitment to serve and I think serving in the church is great preparation for serving in the world. Serving in the church is not a replacement for serving in the world. Serving in the world is not a replacement for serving in church. We need to do both. Church is to be so much more, being a follower of Jesus is so much more than just sitting and listening. It's about serving. I pray for the day that we are a church where everybody is serving on a regular basis. Inside the church and outside the church. Because the way we demonstrate the fact that Christ has changed us is we carry his heart, we live out his purpose. Grace has been given to us so that grace may be given through us. And so we have a whole bunch of opportunities for people to serve. We need you. The world needs you. The body needs you. The grace given you is grace for other people. So this is what I want everybody to do. I want you to write your name, your email. And I want you just to check about the areas that, hey, you know what? I'd be interested in serving in this area. I, I, boy, I would love to be a person who's serving. And we got all these things like hospitality, which is greeting people. Fellowship. We love to eat around here. We love to do different things. Event planning. Just so you know, we have a Christmas banquet coming up. How many love Christmas banquets? What a great way to serve. 
kids' ministries, nursery ministries, youth, women's, men's, life groups, teaching, worship, media, outreach, missions. Oh, speaking of missions, next week, how many know that we get to carry the gospel of Christ? Some of you, you may not know this, some of you know this, we're sending a trip, we're sending a group of people to Madagascar next year. How many think that's super cool? Be a part of the missions of Asbury Church. And uh, next week is applications that are due, right? The tw- No, 20th, two weeks. So just keep praying about it. Keep believing for it. Because you know what? God wants his message to go to the nations. We also have building and maintenance opportunities. Maybe there's something that's not even mentioned here. You're like, going, you know what? I would love to have this kind of ministry. Maybe it's something God's stirring your heart. Write it down. But could you imagine what would happen if the church began to minister the grace of Christ with what it is they've received, with the grace they've received. If we really lived out freely you have received, freely give. I believe that if we did that, we'd see God do amazing things in our hearts, in our lives, through our lives. And we just give him tons of praise because you know what? We know what we are, but his grace is amazing. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you're calling us to serve, to make it a discipline, not just something we, we do periodically, but, but a regular rhythm of our life. Lord, we are so grateful for the grace that you've shown us. You have brought us salvation. You've brought us life. And Lord, we're asking that grace would be seen through us. God, here we are. Lord, we want to live the response to the question of who will go for us, that we would would boldly declare, here we are, send us. Though we love you and we thank you for your word, continue to grow and stretch us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.